Hi, this is Emeka and Elandris, and you're listening to the So Far Us podcast, the 30-minute podcast where we break down a trending topic, centering the discussion on the Black millennial woman's experience, and explore what it means for us by answering with, so for us, now let's break down this episode's trending topic. Recently, hashtag NSARS began to spread on Twitter and Instagram as Nigerian youth protested for the end of SARS, the special anti-robbery squad unit of the Nigerian police force. Protests took place not just in Nigeria, but also in London and the U.S., among other places. We've also seen Black Lives Matter protests outside of the U.S. in support of Black Americans and in protests against the shared experience of Black people in their own country. In this episode, we will explore the value of having a diasporic view of our Blackness. This is Emeka. So for me, as someone who has a Black American mother and a Nigerian father, as an adult, it has become a greater priority for me to keep up with not only what is going on in the U.S., but also in Nigeria. But even for me, while I have for a long time understood the value of having a diasporic view of Blackness, I'm not sure I go far enough. For example, October is Black History Month in the UK, but I honestly don't know that much about Black history in the UK. What I think our generation is beginning to understand, though, is that we have some shared experiences, not just culturally, but also in negative ways, alike experiencing police brutality. We're also seeing greater interest in Black people wanting to visit and in some cases move to African countries. Think about the recent Year of Return initiative. I think there is so much value in supplementing our national and ethnic Black identity by learning more about Black people in other parts of the world and building and nurturing relationships with each other. This is Alandris. So for me, being Louisiana Creole gives me a sense of connection to my ancestry. Aside from doing DNA testing and generating a family tree, Culturally, knowing the contributions my people have made to this country despite everything against them means something. It gives me a sense of pride, a sense of home. So I thought that it would be good to start with some of the current causes, hashtags, um protests um, and things that are currently going on or recently um, um, in the spotlight. Um, So of course, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, there's hashtag in SARS in Nigeria um, where um, they were protesting and asking for the abolishment of the anti-robbery squad uh, unit of the Nigerian police force um, who had been using violence um, and other criminal activity against Nigerian citizens. 
um, we, of course, in the United States continue with Black Lives Matter, because uh, Black lives always matter, and they continue to matter. Um, and, you know, that applies, I think, um, throughout the world as well. In the Congo, there's hashtag Congo is bleeding. Um, and that is in mm. reference to what is being referred to as a silent Holocaust, um, where their citizens are being killed for a natural resource that's used for electronic devices. Um, I have not looked into it um, that much, um, but my understanding is that some Western countries, including possibly the US, the UK and France, are funding the military in surrounding countries who are then invading Congo for those sources. And in that, um, there are innocent lives being taken. There's hashtag child trafficking um, in reference to child labor and child trafficking in the Ivory Coast and Ghana. There is hashtag rape national emergency um, in reference to what's going on in Liberia who has seen an increase by 50% just during the pandemic alone of rape of young women and children. Um, there's hashtag Anglophone crisis in Cameroon. Um, and that is in reference to um, the marginalization of the francophonization of the legal system. I'm not familiar with this either, um, but I mean, I've come across these different hashtags and causes online. Um, so I figured whatever platform we have, we can help in bringing awareness to that. Um, so for all of them, I definitely um, suggest looking into it further on your own, doing your own research because um, I am certainly not an expert in any of these causes. Um, and then there's also hashtag am I next in South Africa, which is also about um, the, um, the crisis involving, involving rape, the raping of women in South Africa, as well as murder of women. Um, there's a stat out there that says that a woman in uh, South Africa is murdered every three hours. Um, that's a lot. That I, I, it is. It's a stat I came across. So again, I've not verified it, but again, I'm helping to bring awareness to it. And then it's on individuals to kind of look into it themselves and, and confirm that. Um, and the last one is from Nam Namibia. Uh, hashtag shut it all down. Um, and this is uh, in relation to protests there um, against sexual and gender-based violence. So again, another one um, that is about the high rate of rape, the raping of women. Um, and of course, I already mentioned here in the U.S., it's Black Lives Matter, and that just means a lot of things. Obviously, it starts with uh, police brutality, 
but then it spans over a range of things which we've talked about before on our podcast like um outcomes for black women who um give birth to children here in the United States um you could talk about the wealth gap there's a number of things right and um disparities that we face as black people here in the U.S. um and, you know I, I'm sorry go ahead well I was just gonna say um as we've been using social media as a vehicle to bring more awareness to all these different um issues that Black people are facing all over the world. And as we as Black people are becoming more aware of not only what's going on in our own countries, but what other Black people are facing in other countries, lately I've been seeing posts about just how exhausting it is to think about, you know, like it feels like, is there a place in this world where it, it feels safe as a black person and also I'm sure people are thinking about well I want to do something what can I do can I do anything can anyone do anything and a lot of it is overwhelming um so I um I want to start by bringing awareness and then I just wanted to check in and see how you are doing right now because we all have a lot that we're carrying um, even in just our own individual personal lives. And I'm not asking you to expand into whatever's going on, but just checking in, how are you feeling? I'm sure you've come across some of these hashtags and related content, so. Yes, I have. And also I've participated in donating um, to this organization. I forgot the name of it. It was last year. They came to our church at our women's conference um, and they were tackling the uh, they were actually rescuing children in the Ivory Coast and Ghana uh, from sex traffickers, um, mm-hmm. and they came and they spoke to the church about it, and I, and I made a donation to it. Um, and I've seen them maybe like a couple of times out after that, but then I started to look into some of the other hashtags, and I'm like, oh, geez, there's a lot. There's just so yeah. much. And it just goes back to, as you were saying, all those hashtags, like what Lovey Ajayi said, which was, is there any place safe for Black people? Like, is there any place safe for Black people? It's one thing when you're fighting an oppressor who doesn't look like you, but you're also fighting an oppressor who does look like you. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that aspect of it, too. Um, And we can say, we can be real honest about how deeply rooted the attacks on blackness is from colonization on all continents. It is deeply rooted mm-hmm. in that. And whether it's what is it's colonization wanting to continue to suppress black people over centuries, or whether it's those who are of the oppressed group wanting to be in proximity to the oppressors. So they continue to oppress their own people. So they either don't become oppressed or they can rise to power in that rank. Yeah, and even with that, I've seen some videos uh, recently on Instagram and as well with everything that's been coming 
to the forefront, it kind of led me to read some more of my W.E.B. Du Bois um, books, because um, I know, you know, I don't know if everybody's familiar with him. I studied him in college, but, you know, he was an advocate for Pan-Africanism, and he actually spent the latter part of his life in Ghana and died there. Um, and so I thought it would be interesting to kind of see what he was saying in like the early mid 20th century. And it's so interesting that the things that he was saying in the early 20th century, the warnings he was giving in the mid 20th century, the observations he was giving, still so relevant and even relates to what people are saying now, which is, you know, even after Europe supposedly left Africa, when the African countries became independent, they didn't really leave, right? They left it in such a way that they could still take advantage of the resources and the free labor in some cases or cheap labor. Um, and the only way to do that partially was to get kind of going at what you said, a subset of people in, in a country and kind of get them to either what you said about feel like they want to be in close proximity to them, um, the Western world, or if it's about money and kind of putting their own individual needs or progress over the masses, the people, the citizen of the country, right? Yeah. Because as long as you have that structure in place, then the Western world can continue to benefit from Africa, even if colonialization has ended. Um, and so it's interesting that Du Bois was talking about this in the early 20th century. And then now here we are in the early 21st century. And now you're seeing people kind of talking about that again. So it's not like um, it is just um, a mindset that's left over from colonialization. It is like the arms of colonialization is still there. It's just in a different way. Right. And, you know, and, and knowing that, well, first of all, I, I will say there has to be some relation to why that is still happening and the lack of information applied to our history, what we've overcome and the access to that information. Like, I do believe that there is a, there is a disconnect from what our ancestors could have taught us throughout history um, so that we can be better as a people because it wasn't afforded to us on any continent. Like we're not allowed to learn about our people on any continent in a positive way. We're either enslaved or we're um, poor and destitute. There's no type of heroic storytelling in the masses across the continents as far as the educational system. Like it's not taught that way. It's either not taught at all or it's taught very minimal or it's taught in a way where you're always going to be submissive and you can't survive without colonization. There's no place in schools that you're taught that black people have been able to survive on their own and sustain on their own resources. And 
for me, it goes back to a comment that Jesse Wu said. Uh, she was saying on Twitter, she said, I really feel like when we're what we're witnessing with NSARS, um, and she's Haitian and she talks a lot about what happens in Haiti. She's like, I really think the di- diaspora wars are ridiculous. And they are. Like, you'll have people who will say, well, I'm African-American and I don't like Africans doing this and vice versa and the Caribbeans and all of this. And it's like the division that was so deeply rooted in, uh, um, sorry, the division that was so pushed by colonization to divide us in so many different ways, whether it's by skin color, whether it's by wealth, status, whatever have you, as long as we have been kept divided, this type of stuff has been allowed to thrive. And that, and division looks, it, it can look different um, across the different continents. So it could be uh, when I talk to my husband, who's Garifuna uh, from Honduras, uh, their family's from Honduras, and they're the they're the descendants. The Garifuna people are the direct descendants of Africa. Um, they have this system where if you're dark skinned, you're technically having these hard labor jobs, and if you're light skinned, you get to go work in like the hotels and the banks and stuff like that. Like they literally have this this type of system there where you can see the oppression. And I think that builds up the resentment amongst our people. And you see that type of stuff happening in the U.S. You also see it in, in Africa in, in a different way. It's just, I think that the diaspora wars are really helping to fuel this as well. Like, as long as we continue to say, oh, well, we're better than this part of our African ancestry or we don't have access to the, you don't have access to this part of your ancestry and you just all of a sudden joined in because of Black Panther and all this other stuff that is nonsensical. I think part of that plays a role in keeping us divided and allowing governments to who have real power to kill us, per se, but also keep us divided. Like, sometimes we so we help that so a couple of things one i do want to add not just colonization but you also think about slavery um in america and thinking about not just the united states america is north america south america because slavery was all throughout north and south america um but you know, that worked alongside colonialization, right? Because part of what they did to us over here is disconnect us from our culture and our history from Africa, right? right? And so that kind of helped in what you were describing in that it's harder to um, find and see the connection. You feel separated, different, Um, And so, you know, that feeds into that. But I do want to also, you have to acknowledge that it's very real that there there is division. There is um, an artist who I liked, but I didn't like the way she kind of came for Beyonce in her video Mm. about in SARS, right? And I saw it when she posted the video and then you saw Beyonce's mom kind of comment on it later after Beyonce came out. As a Beyonce fan, I assume 
she probably would eventually say something, but she typically, when she says something, it's also, and here's what I'm doing. Whereas some other artists are more like, okay, here's your post. Um, And so it's going to take time. Right. right? Um, But there was under the comments, I actually first learned of the video from that artist from a, because I'm I'm such a Beyonce fan. I am in Beyonce fan groups on Facebook, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's only because, you know, she drops stuff randomly different times. And so it's only so I know that, but I saw a a post about the video from this other artist and the comments. And these are obviously mostly uh, Americans in this Facebook group. Um, And so their comments were like, well, we have, um, our own things that we're working on over here. Why do you have to worry about that? And um, so there was definitely right. this sense of separation, right? And then under her video, the artist video on Instagram, there were mostly comments from Nigerians. And in that, you know, they were bringing up stuff that um, they had kind of, some people had brought up before where they were like, oh, she she made this music and this album with, um West African artists and she can use our culture, but then when we need her to do something, she's not doing it. And there was like this conflict and it was just like, how does that help? Wow. It, it, it didn't help. I, I was like, in the energy you put into that video and those comments, I'm sure there was something more productive you could have done. And I, I understand the influence of, I guess, Beyonce saying something, um, but I mean, I didn't like yeah. it. I didn't like the video either. But um, so there's definitely a division, which is unfortunate because in that case, um, I mean, based on what Beyonce shared, she is she did in fact do something um, to help with um, the cause. I don't remember what it was. Maybe she donated or provided websites for other people to donate or, or um, help bring awareness to those opportunities to help. Uh, but it's like that should have just been the focus right from the beginning there was no need for all the different comments and questions uh, about who's doing what and who's obligated to do what and just people going back and forth you're always going to have that that's unfortunate sometimes um you'll see some people from african countries who have lived in the united states talk about um Black people, now they think it's cool to be African yeah. or Nigerian or whatever, Ghanaian, and they wish they were, or they called me an African booty scratcher when we were younger, um, and vice versa. You yeah. have that, right? Black people sometimes say things about people from African countries. You even have it from the Caribbean, yeah. right? Um so, and people saying, you know, you're not Black American, like teaching their kids that while they're raising their kids in right. America, you know, there's some, some parents who are like, no, you're not, we don't want you to associate Or you with have that. the other way, right. you so, have the other way where you have, um, no, you're American, um, you're from Honduras, but I don't want you to speak Spanish, I want you to, I want you to be more American. I want you to kind of erase, like come away from this so that you don't have to endure the hardships that I have endured when I was coming here and I was speaking Spanish and I was ostracized. Like I'm speaking from a perspective of like my, my husband's um, 
parents, like they did not teach their children how to speak Spanish and they're from Honduras because of the way that they were treated when they came to America. So you have that other side of division too. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm speaking to division among black people towards other forms of black yeah. people, right? Um, and ultimately, if we, it would be so much more powerful if we could set those things aside, yeah. I think you should acknowledge it because it, it's very real. I can say I'm half Nigerian and I've had my, I've had members of my family on my Black American side. I was called an African booty mm-hmm. scratcher. And I mean, I, I uh, spent most of the year in my Black American household. So it was simply because they knew that my dad was Nigerian. Um, So it wasn't even like for some people it's the experience in school because maybe they have an accent or whatever. It wasn't even any of that. Um, But we have to set that aside because going back to what we talked about earlier, it's very hard all over the world to be a Black person. We are facing all types of issues and tragedies and it would just be so powerful if we could as black people throughout the world come together and try to strategize and figure out how can we make it safe anywhere in the world for black people to be right right? because we talked about how people feel exhausted you I think you mentioned um lovey said something about it feels like there's nowhere that Black people can be safe. But what if we came together, set aside our differences and be like, look, we're all Black, we're all over the world and we are human like anyone else. There should be nowhere in this world that we would be and not be safe. So what do we do about that? And I don't have the answer. And I don't it's feel simple. like I can say the answer for another part of the world. Like the only way I can help is if I have those conversations with people who are actually there. So we're going to have to like come together. And I, and on the positive side, I think we yeah. are. Because even with those divisions, like going back to that artist and Beyonce, at the end of the day, Beyonce did say something. And, and um, you know, we can still work together. We can set things aside and move forward and be positive and work towards progress. Absolutely. I think... Um some of the experiences that you've had um, being uh, having African uh, heritage from Nigeria and then being black American, having that issue of being called the African booty scratcher because of where you come from. I've experienced certain things uh, being Creole from Louisiana, whereas it's, oh, you think you're not black because you're Creole. You don't think you, uh, you think you're better than everybody because you're Creole. Um, uh, Creoles are not really black people and like there were certain things that I experienced uh, growing up um, but I realized at the end of the day I'm still black I got a black mama black daddy we just got Creole heritage and it's 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 disheartening but at the same time it doesn't deter me from the fact that I want was best for the black community throughout the diaspora because so, as someone who is Creole as raising uh, Garifuna uh, boys, uh, essentially Afro-Latino boys who are learning about both of their cultures 
one that is actually on the brink of uh, trying to be preserved because it after Katrina, a lot of our culture did not sustain itself because a lot of us moved away. So learning French as a second language is, was not something that was pushed as hard anymore because we were really in survival mode. Um, it's making a comeback now, but it wasn't pushed for over um, two, almost two decades. Um, trying to teach my son Spanish, trying to teach my son how to speak Garifuna, trying to get them to understand that these parts of their culture is beautiful and that they are black and understanding that we are very different. We are also unique in our experiences, but we are still, we are still one at the root of everything. And I think- And I'll just add- Go ahead. No, I was saying, no, I was saying. I, I would just add that it has been done before there have been efforts to have like a pan-African like Congress, uh, you know, Black Americans spoken up for when apartheid was going up in South Africa. So this is not new. The only difference is that we have access to social media and the internet and we can more easily connect with each other. So this is very much doable. Absolutely. All right. So I think the biggest takeaway, one of the, well, something positive to take away from this entire thing is we've historically been stripped of um, who we are and what connects us. We now have access to information to break down barriers and keep us coming together across the diaspora. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the So For Us podcast. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social media sites using the at So For Us podcast handle. Like, comment, leave a review, send us a trending topic you'd like us to discuss, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We'll talk to you soon in the best place that is So For Us.